everyone and welcome to episode 15 of The Courageous Mama. I'm so enjoying this journey with you. My heart for the podcast is to encourage, equip and empower us to be the best parents that we can be. Not perfect, not all the same, but always growing and always learning. So I bring people to you as well as my own insights and hope that that encourages you on that journey. in today's podcast certainly did that for me. One of the aspects of parenting that I've enjoyed is learning more about different characters, both in my family and around me. To understand how other people tick, to understand what makes me tick. So I've loved opening up some of the personality profile work, not in a deep way, but just enough, well, just enough to be dangerous, you might say, but actually just enough to throw light on what motivates, what encourages and what empowers the people in my life. Most of you will have heard of things like Myers-Briggs and recently we looked at love languages, which I know is new for some of you. And at some stage, we're going to open up the Enneagram and I'm excited about that too. Today, we're going to dig into something new with a friend of mine, Laura Mears. And as well as having some fun together, which we always do, I think you'll come away enlightened. I know that I certainly did. Do you ever feel that you don't have a voice or that some of the people around you aren't feeling confident about using theirs? Or is there someone in your life with a very dominant voice and it kind of makes you retreat? Here's the thing. Everyone has a voice. Everyone's voice is important. Everyone has something to bring. And when people are empowered to use their voice effectively, everyone benefits. But in order to draw those voices out, we need to value what they bring and help them to value what they bring. So today we're going to gain some awareness on the different gifts that give us different voices and how to best encourage the individuals in our lives according to their strengths. I know that on our parenting journey, understanding these insights have been like gold for us and for our children. It's strengthened them, it's given them confidence, it's helped them to understand themselves and understand why they respond differently to different people and in different settings. That helps them in their school life, that helps them in their first jobs, off into their internships, their further education. Understanding themselves and what they bring is really powerful. I'm also convinced the better we know ourselves, the more self-aware we can become. And the more self-aware we are, the easier we are to be around. So we're going to dig into something called the five voices. That might sound quite deep for a parenting podcast, and it's true, it's a tool that is used in leadership. But we are leaders. We're leading families. We're developing and nurturing individuals to be their best. And of course, if you're in a business setting too, you will find this invaluable. It can influence the way you communicate and the way you help your children to communicate and build up their confidence. And that also works across your settings at work, whether you're building a business, whether you've got colleagues, whether you're in a team. It will show you how to make the best of your voice and the voices around you. Connection is the heart of the Courageous Mama podcast. Appreciating and understanding everyone's different contribution will deepen our connections. So since I've had this conversation with Laura, I've been pondering and it's made me rethink some of my intuitive responses in my family life, which has opened up some very different conversations. 
I love that expression, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. How about the idea that there's more, there's always more? You can get something different if you do something different. So learning enables us to improve our communication and get something a little different. So my friend Laura, together with her husband James, runs a leadership company called Salmon Swimming and they use personality training tools to help people become aware of their tendencies so they can flourish and become truly fruitful both in relationships and at work. They're so enriching. So come and meet Laura. I asked her, where do we start with the five voices? So we usually start off with the nurturer, the nurturer. which is okay. yeah, the quietest voice, but also the nurturer actually Definitely represents <laughs> a lot. No, no, it's not you and I, that's probably why we're doing this. But the majority of listeners will be first voice nurturers. So 43% of the population have nurturer as their really? first voice. And that's based wow. on the Myers-Briggs science. That's yeah. fascinating. And, well, it's simply because we need that. We need nurture. <laughs> it's do. kind of the most important in a way. Yeah. You know, look at the NHS. You know, look at teaching. Lots of the professions we're really relying on at the moment, full of people who have nurture as their first voice, because what mm. comes so strongly to them as natural is we need to deal with what is in front of us in the present and we need to help this person. And they make that person in front of them the most important person in the world. Mm. And that is why they're fantastic carers. That's why they make amazing teachers. That's why they make amazing leaders. Because their employees will always say they feel honoured, they feel cared for, they know when their birthday is, they know that their gran is sick. These are people who are fantastic leaders, world-class at what they do, but they will never, ever know that. They will never be arrogant. That's interesting because um, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. And, of course, he says leadership is caring for the person next to you. Leadership is servanthood, isn't it? And it's not something that we naturally associate with servanthood. We think about it as sort of being out front and taking the credit and the glory. So give me three little characteristics of the nurturer. Well, they intuitively know how people are feeling. Yeah, right. So they'll be talking to someone and straight away they will just sense how that person is feeling. That person might be saying, I'm absolutely fine. They will know to dig a bit deeper. They'll know just to gradually, gently, in the present, with, without any sort of impatience, just draw that person out and help them okay. to express their feelings. So they're brilliant in organisations because they know how a new idea is going to go down. Always get their opinion. Yeah. But they're also they're brilliant in families and they're brilliant in groups of friends because they're the relational oil. So that's probably number the two. Relational the oil. Rel- I love that. Yeah. So yeah. And that- if an organisation doesn't have one, then you can really feel it. You don't have the flow. You don't have that unity because right. they're the ones going around just checking how everyone's doing. Mm. Mm. So that's the nurturer, number one. Well, it's not number one, but it's number one for us today. What's number two? Okay, so number two is the creative voice. Mm. And that's another fairly quiet voice. Um, And these people are amazing ideas people. They're innovators. They plan and construct all sorts of systems, ideas in their head. And when it's 100% perfect, that's when they try to sort of get it down on paper or they try to explain it to somebody else. Um, but it will never, ever look the way that it looks in their head. 
so the creatives have this gold within them, this absolute ideas gold, mm. but they really do need somebody like a nurturer to help to draw it out, to help them to know how to speak about it. They often struggle with the fact that people never seem to understand their ideas. So, and that's often because the first thing they say isn't what they really think because it's so internal. So they need the patience of somebody who's a good listener who can just draw out what they're thinking and feeling and help them. So are you saying that a creative is usually an internal processor? Yes, yep, they are. There's an internal processing, there's an internal perfectionism about them. So they're usually introverts. If they're a first voice creative, they're an introvert. But you can have, you know, the creative, it's your second, it's my third voice, for for example. Mm. So I can access it and I can have times when I'm in that voice and I'm very much internally processing. Mm. But, um, you know, James, for example, has a second voice creative, but he's an extrovert. So it's just how these things are are worked out together as a combination of things. And I love the word combination because there aren't five character types in the world, me. And of course, it's the mere fact that there's so much crossover with other parts of our character that makes every single person unique at the same time as probably fitting into a certain voice in the five voices. Absolutely, that's right. And and five voices is something that you're never to put on someone else or to say, oh, they're this or they're that. We're very hesitant to do that. Mm. It's more a tool you use for yourself. Yeah. So number three, if we've got the nurturer, the creative, number three would be the guardian. The guardian. Oh, the guardian. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, you're, you're up on this already. Wow. So the guardian is the third loudest. Okay. Mm. So we're, get, we're getting into the realms of loud now. The guardian will always make sure their voice is heard. So right. they're fairly assertive. They're not too worried what people think. They're much more concerned about being right and being liked so they will often be the whistleblower they'll be the person who's concerned about health and safety they'll be the person who's concerned to make sure things are done properly um and they're very diligent as well you get lots of first voice guardians in secondary teaching for example because they're they're just very organized they're diligent they know what they they set out their expectations right they do sometimes expect everybody to see things the way they do they do sometimes think that everybody should so they can sometimes and i'm a second voice guardian so i can speak say this from my own experience well they they can feel quite frustrated with people who don't think like them who don't think in an orderly way and and have the same work ethic that they do i mean guardians will will stay up all night to make sure that they'll get something done at at the time they've Mm. said so I'm quite intrigued um, by this because having said it's not good to be labelling other people, what I what I did find when I read The Guardian, because it's my second voice, was, oh golly, that really reminds me of so-and-so. And uh, although I would avoid labelling, sometimes it's helpful to put it in the context of character because you can appreciate it. Uh, definitely. And I think what's really healthy and helpful about the five voices is to recognise actually when The Guardian is bringing their questions and the guardian is bringing their concerns, they're bringing their best. Right. They're bringing love. Right. So actually, that's about them loving you to be bothered to ask you, have you thought about this or is that wise? And, and actually to see them in that way is really helpful. I've got a couple of guardians in my family and it can feel sometimes quite clunky and quite brash when my uncle rings me up as he did years ago. He came to my church with me and he said, do you think that's a healthy church for you to go to? 
are you really sort of flourishing there? Are you really going right. to be teaching this? Yeah, yeah. And it made me really think, and actually it made me commit to another church that I was also going to. And it was helpful, and it was him bringing his best, even though guardians bringing their best, bless them, they can often come across as just quite clunky because they're not necessarily as emotionally intelligent as the nurturer is, for example. So it feels like they're running on your parade, but actually they're going, have you thought of this? Don't fall in that trap. Yeah. Definitely. And if you can hang on through the guardian's questioning, which Mm. can go on for a little while, Mm. until they're at the point where they're then happy, then actually your idea or whatever you are presenting will be all the better for it because they will have really helped you look at it from every angle Mm. and safeguard it from any dangers. So it's so worth doing is just going through that process of trying to say to yourself, I'm going to give the guardian in my life 40 minutes now while I just throw this idea out there. We're thinking about moving house. I'm going to just ring up my guardian friend and just throw the idea out because they will know exactly how to question me on this Mm. in a way that will help me know whether it's a good or a bad thing at the end of the conversation. I recognise myself in the guardian and actually it's interesting you say let them go till they're happy whereas I would like to think a healthy guardian would be I would like to question till I think you're happy well if it's about them definitely yeah if it's if they're doing that from a place of friendship if it's you know a shared organization and they have a vested interest in it for them yeah, to carry on serving wholeheartedly they'll need uh, to feel of course happy. Of course, and I suppose that's the interesting thing to point out here is that this is designed for leadership, but you and I would both see that parenting is leadership. Absolutely. I mean, with this, and I studied this to be able to lead coaching seminars with industry, but I also have found it, as all the people I've trained with have found it, invaluable in my family, in my Mm. marriage, with my children... Because we're all leaders, because we all have to lead ourselves. You know, even if we don't have a family, we lead ourselves and then we lead in our family. So everybody I know who, who studied it has found it really helpful, first of all, in that in that context. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that sounds empowering. And also, I love the expression, I manage me, you manage you. So I suppose that would come to the same thing, really. Well, I bet you have that idea within parenting, because I know how, how you are with the kids. And mm. It's amazing. And the way that you empower them to make decisions. So it's similar to that, is it? Well, I think that's why it landed so well with me. I really oh. got the notion of it, but I hadn't heard it as a catchphrase. And there it is in sort of seven words or something. Concepts, yeah concepts there we go so we've got number one the nurturer number two the creative number three the guardian number four the lovely connector mm. so connector is the tigger of the voices so oh, very right. extrovert <laughs> okay bouncy persuasive often what they're always doing is including people you know when they're healthy right. they are bringing people together they're including everybody they have the capacity to maintain a massive amount of relationships so they will have 250 best friends you know you and i might only feel like, like we can have 25 that you know are strong 250 you know you might not see them for 20 years but when you bump into them it's as if it was yesterday that you last saw them right. they just have this natural chemistry and um, they just know implicitly how I, how to connect with people. So, you know, they, they will often meet somebody in a coffee shop and, you know, and have, have got to know them sufficiently to be able to recommend their idea to the next person they meet, you know, use them in, a, in, in their next sort of project, whatever they're doing. Mm. They're really resourceful. So they're always thinking, how can I leverage my relationships to, to move ahead with, with the projects that are important to me mm. and to us. 
I'm so uncomfortable with that word, leverage. Leverage. Another one of those buzzwords. (laughs) It sort of sounds like use of person. Yes. There's just something about it that makes me recoil a little, as though there's some kind of hidden agenda in my friendships if I'm leveraging. (laughs) I know, and it's unfortunate to be viewed like that, but the way that they think is team. So I've got a friend who is a connector, Mm. and they've got four children and they are amazing at including others in their family quite naturally right they will just you know uh, and and other people are really blessed by that as well they love to be involved and so probably lockdown's pretty hard at the moment because you know they haven't got that wider sort of support system and they're not loving and blessing and you know nurturing those people as well right are included in their family Whereas I think for me, that's been a revelation for me to see that and to think, isn't that great to include, you know, maybe rather than leverage inclusiveness or include a bit right. of a nice word. Yeah, I prefer that. Great. You thought I would be the connector as a primary voice, didn't you? I thought it would be high, so I'm surprised mm. that it didn't come in the top two. Although, often when you do the assessment, after you've delved in a bit deeper, it can sometimes come out different. So mm. don't be surprised if that happens. I just, and I said to you, you're very hard to call because I do think you've got all of the voices as healthy leaders do. And I think that you are a person who has lots of relationships and you're very good at, at team. You know, you naturally think team. Mm. So is that what you've learned? Or is that something that comes naturally? Well, I think we mature, don't we? So whilst our personality doesn't necessarily change intrinsically we build character don't we so when you talk about the nurturer I can identify with that to a degree I know how people are feeling quite often I can read a face I can pick when there's something behind that and I will quite often sort of take the trouble to go and just see if that person wants to flesh it out a bit I wouldn't pull it out of them but 30 years back when I was building a career and perhaps even identifying too much with being a career person I don't think I would have cared what the person on the left of me was feeling like from one day to another so it's recognizing your growth and your maturity isn't it do you think do you think being a parent has helped you to grow that it's very hard to separate yourself as the parent and the non-parent isn't it but I think perhaps accepting that the better I know myself the easier I will be to be around has has sent me on a journey of finding tools and interesting things that can speak into my life in such a way that I can not navel gaze but know what I'm like to be around and know what my strengths and skills are and I think it's on that journey that I probably developed my nurturer yeah that's really good if that makes sense Really good. I think I'm also naturally really interested in people and how they are. So if you came came around to my house, I'd be far more interested in how you are than what you're doing. And I would be very interested in what you're doing, but how you are would probably be where we'd end up having a conversation. So I would have said that was probably more of a nurturer quality. It definitely is because that's the realm of feelings. Mm. And that's not as easily accessible some of us including myself you know I could always tell you about work and I could always tell you about you know what I'm thinking about and ideas and work I often try to sort of get conversation around work quite naturally mm, that's actually interesting. talking about feelings is harder so it's something I've definitely appreciated in my friendship with you 
that you make me do that and it's helped it's helping it's helpful for me <laughs> i didn't know i made you do it. i always thought you're so honest and open <laughs> no i don't think there's many people i think it's james and i always say ask the third question you know how yeah. are you and, yeah. and how, how are you really and, and how does that make you feel and yeah. then you're there aren't you then you're on a place in a place you know you're on a, on a level ground yeah that you're just not with, with most people most people don't get to that point because they don't have the patience and that has that was me that that was me a few years ago definitely it's something i'm working on now right i think people just often haven't been taught to ask questions or they feel they're being nosy i don't know what it is yeah. I, I think that for some people it's natural and for others it's learned. That's so true. And I'm going to hold my hand up and say, for me it is learned. And um, I don't think it I, matters how you get there. I think it's just it? important to get there, isn't it? Well, when James and I got married, we spent a, a journey in the car for an hour and a half where I, I asked him question after question after question. I mean, he tells this story and he said, I was having a lovely time. He said, I was really enjoying being asked all these questions. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And in the end, I said, and I'd really like you to ask me a question now. <laughs> there you go. And he said, who's your favourite cricketer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not remotely interested in No! <laughs> but at least it was a start. Is that a bit That's like, <laughs> enough about me, hilarious. what do you think about me? <laughs> I know, exactly, exactly. It's hilarious. Fortunately, I was in a good place, so I was That's able to so sort of say... You know, I sort of said to him, you know, actually, that's not the kind of question I meant. And then he said, very honestly, he said, to be honest, I don't really know what kind of questions you want me to ask. Right. So I said, okay, I will, I'll write some down. So I, I just took out a pen, and a, you know, a pad and a pen. Yeah. And I wrote 15 questions down. You know, what, what are you excited about? Um, what I love that you one. enjoy most about this week? Um what would you like to do next year? You know, what, what's, what, where would you like to go on holiday next? So I wrote a whole bunch of questions down. Bless him. He took those questions and sometimes I had to remind him to get the piece of paper out. But he <laughs> did, you know. There'd be times where we'd be, you know, at home and he'd go to the drawer, get the, get the sheet of questions out and ask me some questions. And exactly like you said, it doesn't matter how you get that. I yeah. did not mind at all that I'd had to write them down. I love but that. Because I knew that love was there. He was trying to do his best. Yeah. And I think That's the other thing side. is we, we often lament our partner not doing such and such. And I, I know that, you know, Con and I do, um, we're not marriage counsellors, but we spend time with couples when they've sort of hit a rough point. And I'm often intrigued how much we expect of our partner intuitively and how little we actually coach them. And I don't mean coach them as in like a baseball team, but actually, this is what I like. This is what really blesses me. This is what really brings me out of my shell. We wait 20, 30 years for them to guess that. And actually, we could just go, you know what? Try this, which is what you did. You gave them a piece of paper. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's just so helpful. Yeah, so definitely coaching, helpful. coaching your partner. Coach your partner. <laughs> so we're on to number five here. Yes, the pioneer. Which could be both of our first choices. Well, it would um, seem so at first glance for me, but that really was only a very sort of eighty question questionnaire. So, I think you're definitely. I think that's definitely up there. I think that you know, you said to me not uh, not, not that long ago, well, a couple of years ago, I think it was, Laura, you need to take ground. You know, I think you were. I, I remember it distinctly. You know, I was just feeling a bit frustrated. I was, you know, adopted to be at home with my two kids who were preschool at times a few years ago. And I just was finding it frustrating. And he said, you need to take ground. And that stayed with me. That's the pioneer. As a pioneer, 
is looking for the next two or three years and needs to have a plan, know where they're going, and and take it forward. Mm. Mm. So um, that's the envisioning part, isn't it? Yes, it's it's actually going. This is this is what I think is needed here, um, and these are the steps. So they're a strategic planner. They know how to get from A to B. They're good at putting in the steps right. to get to that place. Yeah. Whereas the creative can often come up with an amazing idea. It can be quite far out in the future. They won't necessarily always have have the steps. So a creative and a pioneer working together on something is dynamite. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got the creative perfectionism, but then you've got the pioneer strategic military planning that will help you to get to that place where it needs to be. Yeah, then I think about my mum when we're doing this, and I think, right, so as you say, you shouldn't label people. I see a lot of nurturing in her, yet she's also incredibly strategic. So would you say that we all have bits of all of them? Yes. Our voice is made up of all five voices. Right, definitely. that's helpful. That's helpful. And, and, and it will da- it'll be down to nature, nurture and choice. And yeah. sometimes at a time in your life, you will need to have one of those voices sort of heightened. Yeah. So, you know, J- James's nurture voice is very low down. Mine, mine's low down. So but having two children, I've just had to heighten that voice. I've just had to. You know, mm. make sure that I'm getting energised, doing some pioneering, so I've got the energy I need to be the nurturer that I need to be right. with two small children. So, yeah, we all have those things going, and I think it's wonderful when you get somebody who's healthy and they can they can operate in all five of them. However, you still really need the perspective of the primary voice of that type. So right. for me, even though I can nurture, and I do, you know, my friends who are first voice nurturers will be the people who I, I consider the experts in that voice. Okay. Um, so when I when I need some advice on, you know, perhaps a relationship, and I think, I'm not sure what to do, it will be the nurture. I'll say, right, how do you, here's the situation, I'm not sure what's going on here, things aren't quite right. You know, it'll be the nurturer that will know. As soon as I start mm. talking, they'll probably have some great ideas about how I can move that relationship forward. So always thinking about who you can bring onto your team and mm. whose voice you can really bring in as insight into things and problems is the way forward rather than trying to have all of the voices yourself becoming self-sufficient but we would probably intuitively do that even if we hadn't heard of the five voices wouldn't we if we were sort of floundering around at home you probably go to the one who we might say is the sort of more strongly intuitive nurturing mother even if you didn't know about the five voices i'd like to say i would I think that for me as a pioneer, the, the, the louder of the, of the five voices, mm. um, getting to a place where I can really hear the, the quieter voices has been massively helped by my study of this, so mm. by recognising my own tendency. So, for example, my own tendency would be to go first in a conversation. So, you know that point where there's a group of five of you in a meeting yeah. and a question is put out there and then there's a silence? Mm. In the past, I have seen it as almost like my duty to go first because I think I'm happy to go first and other people are a bit shy, so I'll start the ball rolling. But what I've learned since doing this is if I do that, I create a situation where it's almost impossible for the nurturers and even the creatives to disagree with me because they are so conflict-averse that Ah. they won't then put forward their point of view even though their point of view represents 43% of the population so we need yeah. to hear it yeah 
and they and they often will have a fantastic, amazing, intuitive, sensitive point of view that actually comes from thinking with the perspective of others. Right. So, right. So what I do now is I hold back. So I try not to speak for a good half of a meeting mm. or very, very little, so that I can really hear mm. what those quieter voices have to say. And often, many That's times certain. actually, you know, the idea that I've had that's fully formed in my head has changed by the time I might then present it, you know, three quarters of the way through the meeting. Interestingly, part of the pioneer is that they do love to learn from interesting people. Yes, exactly. But I suppose yeah. it's taking that time to stop and just give that interesting person space. Well, actually, just being quiet long enough mm. and being patient enough mm. to just let that come through. It's the same with the creative. So if you know somebody in your family, perhaps, who is a creative, they will be very reluctant to give their ideas, put their ideas forward. They'll probably be a very quiet person. And that's partly because for them, those ideas are never ready. They're never 100% perfect for them to present to the world. Right. So we can really help them both by giving them confidence to share their ideas, mm. encouraging them. But then also when they do start to share, rather than making a face and thinking that makes no sense at all, because mm. often it won't at first, is actually having the patience to just sit down and listen and go, okay, could you just explain that again? Or what did you mean when you said this idea? Yeah. Yeah. helping to draw out that idea mm. until you get to the goals. I mean, recently, James and I were on holiday camping with a couple and their kids. And, and until this point, we'd considered the husband quite a quiet character. Yeah. Lovely guy, but hadn't really heard him. And then not that long ago, a couple of years ago, I think it was, we actually sat down one night. We'd, we'd done this training. So James and I had sort of had this hunch that he might have a strong creative voice. And he started to speak, and then we started to ask these clarifying questions, and suddenly he was away. And all of this amazing stuff was coming out, these brilliant ideas, these insights, and literally we had the best evening with them, Aww. where for the first time we felt we'd got to know him. Yeah. And I just think that's probably the case with lots of people. It's just going unheard because we've got to have the ears to hear. Yeah. Often the case, isn't it? So we've got the five there now. When I look at them, there are some parts of mine that I don't like very much, I'm afraid. <laughs> so if we look yeah. at the pioneer, it says the pioneer always thinks they're right. The pioneer can be abrasive. They can fail to extend compassion. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like reading a bad school report. <laughs> yes, but you remember that that's coming from a place of people in industry, largely men, the deliberate aim is to make that voice quieter so that we can turn up the volume of the quieter voices. Okay, so is it just sort of perhaps an over-extension? I, I, think, I think it's over-emphasised there in the assessment because it's aimed at men in business. I think if you're a mother, I think if you've got good relationships like you have, I think that you will be much more self-aware than that. But I think that doesn't mean that in our worst moments, these aren't some of the things that we can certainly I can speak to myself in my yeah. worst moments you know, I can definitely come across as having a me focused agenda you know, yeah. if I've got an idea and I think this just has to happen or this is the most important thing yeah I on an unhealthy day I could identify yeah. in an honest moment but I wouldn't like to think I live there and then of course the guardian is my number two and it says you need to learn how to value relationships and I'm like excuse me <laughs> 
I've obviously got, so, I've obviously got so a very big view of myself. <laughs> yeah, where I live in Cheltenham, um, we have a lot of guardians here because of our local employer. Oh, yeah. And so. so a lot of people are very safety conscious. Um, and a lot of, say, 70% of guardians are men. Um, and so actually, that's not to say that men aren't relationally. Some of the best nurturers I know are men very very intuitive you know a friend of mine left me a voicemail just the other day with just a wonderful message of encouragement for me that's spot on and that's a mature nurturer who's guy not for one second saying that you know men don't have you know good relationships yeah. but i think there's something about um being you know a woman being a mother um having that environment where women are often nurturing each other a lot you know and having that those conversations of mm. care Mm. that you just can't get away with it. You can't get away with the same amount of relational ignorance sometimes that yeah. you can if you're, if you're in a business-type situation, which is you know calling for logic and reason and all of those things, computers rather than people. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. In the same way as not liking some of my characteristics that I've got... <laughs> that have come up on my one and two, I lean towards some of the characteristics of the others <laughs> as preferences. Uh -huh. I mean, I love the word connector. James and I were wondering about you last night and we wondered whether you might be a guardian connector, which is quite an unusual one. You, know, you seem to have those relational skills and those sort of more logical, rational skills as well. I think what we're trying to get to with Five Voices is what comes naturally. So right. not what have we learned or what have we learned to value or what's needed at this time in my life. But actually, what comes naturally? What energises me? And this is where it's really important in the context of parenting. Right. Because parenting can often call for lots of things that don't energise us. Yep, yep. And, and that's where we need to be very careful with mental health, that we are doing things that energise us. So for a connector, for example, what's energising to them is to go and have coffee with a friend. Mm. You know, to go to go and to a cafe and just do some connecting to do just to be able to just be introduced to new people and be out there and be doing things so actually this lockdown is very hard for them at the mm. moment so you know i had a socially distant cup of tea with a friend who's got connected quite high where our chairs were you know four meters away and, yeah. and she just sat herself down brought herself a, a flask of tea and we sat in the front garden Mm. and had a chat and, and I think there's a spring in her step as she walked away yeah. because that's what she's really needing if she's parenting young children so actually it's learning what energises us that is the key question so that we make sure that we have something in the giant family that I'm involved in giant TV is a place to go if you're interested in that and we call it the 70-30 split so the idea is that you should be doing what energises you for 70% of the time mm. so that you've got the energy you need to parent, which can be very tiring and hard. So I can connect all day long, and I do. I'm, you know, I'm, I connect with lots of people, but it's not energising. If I do it too much, I will feel drained. Right. So, you know, the connector could keep going. The connector could bounce in, have some food, and go out again in the evening. But for me, if I've been connecting all day, I want a quiet evening with slippers. Right. And that's the difference. Yeah. Well, I think the, the best place to start is with yourself. So, you know, if you know yourself, then you can lead You can lead yourself well. Mm. You can look at, as I said earlier, what makes you feel energised, and you can make sure you do some of that. You can accept yourself. Um, you know, I think I spent quite a bit of time when I had the two young children looking at nurturers who could just sit with their children 
in baby groups and chatting and looking after each other and nurturing each other and sorting out each other's problems. I could look at them and think, oh, my word, they just look so natural mm. being a parent. Mm. You know, why isn't it enough for me? And, mm. it, you know, I, I could see what they were doing it was so amazing. You know, they were looking after the community. They were helping each other. They were making sure each other were healthy mentally. And, you know, I, in some ways, I probably felt a bit envious of that naturalness that they had for doing mm. that. But for me, I always felt a bit, I love this. I can do this but I need to do something else as well. So actually learning to accept myself and to say, I am a different kind of parent. I'm going to bring my pioneering to my parenting. It's good. It's helpful. So let me just dig in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I can see the merit in it, but I might say, but I kind of already knew that about the whole parenting arena. I knew that she was a nurturer and I knew that I was probably someone who needed more stimuli. What is it about digging into the five voices that will help me in that? I think what it can be is recognising, therefore, what you have to bring to a group, what you have to bring to a team, whether that's within your marriage, which is just very important. So we can often find when parenting role comes along that you can start to rub up with your partner um, on certain issues. You mm. know, why, do I, why am I doing all of this part of the role yeah. and you're not doing any of that part of the role? Mm. Well, why do you seem to find this so hard and I find this you know, much easier? Mm. So actually recognising that you can bring different things within your partnership is very, very helpful. So, for example, you know, James as a connector, if I'm doing some work and he's got some time with the boys, he'd prefer to take them out to, to have an experience, to go right. and do something. You know, he'd go to soft play or he'd ring his dad and they'd take the boys out to a cafe and they'd be busy. And I think I used to think, why can't you just do some stuff at home with them, do some of the ordinary stuff? You know, mm. why does it always have to be all singing or dancing? But actually learning that he's a connector, you know, it's, it's just helpful because it, I think to myself, okay, it's natural that he would want to join forces with somebody else, being out and about, seeing, having a new experience. Connectors love new experiences. They love to try things they haven't tried before, have adventures, right. new ideas. So quite often now, he's been really innovative with children and he's taking them off to build den in some woodland, you know, that he knows is very quiet and there's no one else there, which is fantastic. And actually one of my sons is a connector, it seems. I don't want to label him too early. Yeah. But he's oh, yeah, and then we did this, Mum, and we did that. He's full of the fact that they've just had a brand new experience of doing something different, mm-hmm. which is just very important to certain voices than others. I think you make a good point there, actually. And even as I'm looking at it, I mean, I've got a very obvious creative in my team. I mean, I would have known that about him anyway. But what I found interesting and I want to go and read up more about is that the way they express their creative ideas. So he's he is very courageous with his creative ideas and he will share it with his siblings and with us on sort of either the family WhatsApp or um, over the dinner table. And I'm beginning to wonder whether or not we're meeting that in the way that is most helpful to him. We might be, but we might not be. So I'm quite intrigued to go back and have a little read up and see what would be most helpful for him in those scenarios. What would help him to move on, even if there are aspects of what he's presented that we don't fully understand. I think that would be very, very helpful for him. Mm. And well done for creating an environment where he feels happy to bring his ideas because that's that's often not the case. 
Oh, it totally feeds us. Great. It's lovely having a real innovator among everybody. I mean, it's, he's not my only one. I'm ju- he's just come to mind. And I'm thinking, mm. how is this useful in family life? Because it's going to be. And that is just the, the first thing that jumps to mind. And other things will come to me over the next few days. And I'll be, I'll be rifling through the internet trying to find some insights. I think that's wonderful. The other one with the creative is reminding them that they don't need to be perfect. Yeah, that can so, be a real trap, can't it? Huge. You know, one of my boys is second voice creative, I am I I guess, I imagine. Mm. And he'll he'll start something and if he even makes a tiny mistake or goes outside the lines or it isn't quite what he wanted it to be, he'll want to start again. And I'm constantly encouraging him, use that mistake, make that mistake part of the picture. You know, it's mm. not a mistake, turn it into something else. Yes. Let, let's let's actually use that. Story. Don't be afraid to fail. Mm. And they, they just need to hear that. And actually, I just put up a quotation on the on the wall. Oh, love a quote. Says, we always have one on the I, wall. What have you got? This is my favourite one at the moment because yeah. we have creative voice quite high in our house. And I've written from John Steinbeck. He says, and now that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. Oh, sounds like something Winnie the Pooh would say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, isn't it, but it's profound so as well, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I, I need to hear that, like, three times a day because I'm constantly not you know not living up to my high expectations of myself yeah if I'm dominating myself in my head I'm going to be dominating others so as soon as I'm kind Mm. to myself in my head and I allow mistakes within me suddenly I'm much nicer to be around I'm much more gracious and more accepting yeah exactly so Mm. I just I think that's something to do you know with these five voices is once you recognize what your tendencies are actually making sure that you're you know you're putting up those quotations or you're reminding yourself regularly of your your tendency will never change you know i will always have the tendency to think there is one way to do things well right but if i'm constantly coming back to reminding myself that you know there's more than one way to skin a cat that could be another quote i could put in the move the next one (laughs) (laughs) i'm moving forward that's so good. And when did you start with the five voices? I trained in it last summer. Yeah. So nearly a year ago now. But we've been on this sort of Myers Briggs coaching journey for about five, six years. Of course, now as, yeah. As a, as a married team, yeah. Can you point to a few relationships in your life, whether that's your family or friends, that you would say are in a better place because you've done the five voices? Definitely. I think I mentioned earlier that you know one of my siblings having a higher nurturing preference that's now in a much better place and one of the things that helped with that actually was me recognizing my tendency to dream and to talk provisionally a lot so I we'd often get together as a family and we'd be James and I'd be throwing around ideas oh we could go down to Devon next year you know we could all get a house and have a family time together Mm. and nurturing sister loves us all getting together it's Mm. her favorite thing so we think we've thrown an idea around. She thinks we've made a plan. Right. So that caused quite a lot of pain, actually, a year or two ago, um, where she said, oh, have you booked anything yet? And suddenly we're thinking, oh, um, what books what? You know. And then, of course, there's pain there and there's disappointment there and she feels completely let down. So actually, for me, one of the things would be learning to make sure that I am saying, actually, you know, that, that wasn't a plan. Or what I'm throwing around that, this is just ideas right now. We're not actually making plans. Or I'm a bit more careful about dreaming dreams and coming up with ideas. Okay, when so... I'm with somebody that, that, it, that really matters to. 
Is that a characteristic of the nurturer, to take things more literally? I think it can be. I think it depends on their particular makeup. But the nurturer is very much in the present. They can often sort of take those things as given. They also, they will constantly want to gather people. They'll want to gather family. Family can be very, very important to the nurturer. Right. Um, so I think that's probably where that tendency comes from. Mm -hmm. So actually labelling things. So within the giant family, we have this phrase, provisional plan and promise. And whatever you're saying, being careful to label it. Oh, this is this is a promise. We are definitely going to do this. Or this is just provisional. Sometimes James comes into the kitchen. I might be cutting up some food for supper. And he might say he wants to dream. His creative second voice is just going ping, ping, ping. Yeah. He comes in he says, Laura, right, can we just talk provisionally? Right. And I know then so that my guardian voice, my guardian just needs to switch off. My question, questioning time is not that is not then. I switch off my guardian yeah. and I leverage my third voice creative and I go, okay, let's go. Blue sky mm. thinking, off we go. Let's just throw <laughs> ideas around. He finds that very energizing. And it's a place we often find ourselves in on date night as well, is talking in that kind of provisional, dreaming, big picture sort of way. Gosh, I find that so difficult, though, because my husband's similar, and he'll say, let's just buy a yacht and, you know, go around the world. <laughs> I'm like, well, what, what's that going to look like for the kids' education? You know, <laughs> the poor guy's on the floor. It's like, you know. Sometimes I don't know how to meet in the middle with that, because there's a part of me going, right, you've got a dream. I want to make that happen. <laughs> and another part of me going, I don't know how to make that one happen. <laughs> just don't know if I really want that dream. <laughs> So he's enjoying dreaming the dream and, and considering what's possible. So actually go, going along with him. And the next time I'm going to say, is this provisional? Is this a plan? Or is this a pro but I think he'll say, well, let's make it a promise. <laughs> and I'll be like, right, we've got one in the middle of A-levels here. I just... <laughs> I mean, mm. again, you can train him in that. You can yeah. say, could you just say, let's talk provisionally and then I will know, yeah. switch off my guardian. Yes, that's yeah. quite a helpful. One. That's very helpful. Um, or you could even label it within the conversation. You could say, "Okay, if you want to go with that, let's just talk provisionally. Let's dream some dreams. That's fine. You know, as long as there's no promises here. You go, oh no, there's no promises. Great. Give me what you got." And actually, I've been surprised by how, when I haven't shut those conversations down early on, because I'm like, "Oh, this is pie in the sky." Yeah. When I haven't done that, how that idea has sometimes led to something amazing. Yes. Yeah. You know, so you, you know, we took our boys to to East Africa a couple of years ago yeah. on an amazing trip to see friends and to look at um, a link school that I've been involved with for quite a few years. I think that probably came from that sort sort of a conversation where my guardian second voice would often have gone, "Oh, it's it's not safe. The kids will have to do injections. They'll have to take malaria tablets." No, 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 no. But actually, us having a conversation like that where we could dream dreams right. actually helps you get to what really. Is, is going on there and it might not look like you know going on a yacht you know but you might have a ho you know, holiday on a canal boat <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh he's not going to love you for that you just <laughs> i'm going to tell him that but um i'm quite interested in something you've just said because i come up as a strong guardian safety nah emotional safety is massively high for me and i will want to protect my friends myself and my children and give them safe spaces but sides on the trampoline can't be bothered yeah well that'll be your pioneer voice overriding your guardian ah second. there we go 
There we go. So a pioneer wants to move forward. A pioneer wants to have fun, wants to take ground, wants to create experiences for people and mm. um, enable them to thrive. Thank you, Laura. That has been insightful. It's been helpful. And I think there are so many different ways that we can relate that back to our family lives, our children and our own personalities to be able to work ourselves out. So now I'm going to ask you, as I always love to ask people who come on my podcast, what's a courageous thing that you've done? The thing I find hardest is I don't find it hard to do a speech. I don't find it hard to take the ground. I find those things easier than being vulnerable. So we're in Brenny Brown here now. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, the whole realm of the emotional is a place where I don't feel as confident, if I'm really honest. Yeah. So owning my vulnerability, actually saying to, you know, a group of friends, do you know what? I don't feel very confident about about this or about leading this this group because I feel like I sometimes get it wrong or I call someone the wrong name. And I feel really embarrassed and mortified when I do that. And can you so think of a specific own... time when you've been courageous in that way? Yeah, I'm, I'm on a sort of group of five women and we sort of help lead community projects. And I think I felt after one of the meetings, I'd just been a bit sort of loud or a little bit insensitive. And I was just able to put on the group chat, you know, girls, I'm really sorry if I, if I was a bit blunt there. You know, I'm not feeling as though I'm getting it right in terms mm. of relationships sometimes. And I just had this flood of messages reassuring me that actually oh. I didn't need to worry about that, that they knew my heart was good, they knew mm. where I was coming from. Mm. And I felt instantly reassured. And I think in the past, I would have just lived with that. I would have just sort of or seen it as my own weakness that I was worrying right. about the relationship. Mm. But actually, it's such a relief to me to be able to say to people I care about, I do really care about you, but sometimes I get things wrong. Sometimes mm. I actually um, don't quite treat you the way that I want to treat you because I'm off on the next idea or trying to create something that I think will bless lots of people, but I'm not necessarily focused on the individual and the way that you are. Mm. So just being able to do that has really helped me in my relationships. I love that girl. As I said to you earlier, my conversation with her has been a bit of an awakening. I found myself responding and drawing the family out in a slightly different way, in different moments, and I'm enjoying the new dialogue. It's such a privilege to bring great voices like Laura's to the podcast, so we're always growing, always learning. Isn't that the healthy life of a parent? I hope you found some insights in there too. If you want to find Laura, her details are in the show notes, as well as a link to the five voices. And if you have enjoyed it, share it with a friend or two. And here's my challenge for this week. Let me know what you'd love to hear about. And also, if you've got an individual scenario going on with a child and you want me to sort of flesh it out on the podcast, I won't use names, so don't worry. Share with me what that is, and I'll share back some strategies and some things to do. I'm easy to find. You can email me, madelinestanny at icloud.com, or find me at The Courageous Mama on Instagram. I hope our time together today has helped to empower, equip, and encourage you on your parenting journey. See you next week.